Good morning, Victory Church. How's everybody doing? Let me hear you. Get some props set up here in a second. I'm going to have a little illustrated message this morning. Uh, my name is Troy. If you're visiting with us, it's so great to have you this morning here at Victory Church. Welcome. Um, I want to kind of just piggyback real quick on a couple of things Darla said. Growth Track, I, I'm super honored, first of all, to just be able to serve with the dream team of this church. And yesterday at about 8 p.m., we had some stuff going on at this school. This school is amazing, the opportunities they give us, and Principal Wayne, and then what, what he's allowing to happen here. But they had some stuff go on yesterday, and so we weren't able to get in here to about 8 o'clock, and everybody came up, set up. We got it done by about 11, and something really kind of went off in my mind as I'm watching it, because I'm watching people self-sacrifice, because everybody has something to do Saturday night at 8 o'clock, and watching people self-sacrifice so that other people can be blessed. And when I saw that, that's what I really wanted to tell you guys about this aspect. Joining the Dream Team isn't just about greeting, it isn't just about V-Kids, it isn't just about ushering. It's about those things, it's about production, it's about all of that, but it's also about being able to put yourself in a place where you can help so that other people can be blessed. And, and just being able to watch what God's doing. And so I do want to echo what she said. If you're here this morning and you say, yo, I'm interested in being involved, I want to find out what my purpose is and how God can use me, jump into Growth Track, um, go ahead and figure that out, learn a little bit about us, jump in today or jump in next week. Whenever. Go ahead and get plugged up, get on the team, and let's see what God's going to do in the greater Nashville area through Victory Church. Amen? 19 women, uh, the first small group, and they'll be meeting again this Wednesday, so jump in there. And we're currently in a series called Patterns, and that series is going to take us right up to Easter. And we got an Easter slide I want to show you just for a second real quick, and this is what we're doing on Easter. So we're just believing God's going to do great things. We're going to have an egg hunt and ice cream, right? Is there anything better than both of those two things? Uh, Darla was like, just make sure you don't say eggs and ice cream because that doesn't sound good together. But an egg hunt and ice cream so the kids will be able to hunt. We'll be able to eat ice cream. We'll have some uh, handouts for you to be able to invite your neighbors and friends and different things. And we're just really excited about the first Easter here at Victory Church. Do me a favor. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. So we've been in patterns and we've been talking about how throughout his scripture, God has a pattern for every area of our life. So the world has a pattern, and then God has a pattern. The world's pattern tells us to conform, and God's pattern transforms. And so we've gone through all kinds of things, from worry to thoughts. Uh, we're going to hit, before the series is over, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about finances. It's going to be an interesting Sunday. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about offense. I want to talk to you about God's pattern for offense. There, there are so many of us who are walking around carrying Offense. We've been offended. We've been hurt. We're, we've been wounded by something. And I don't think we always realize the impact that that can have on our life and how God's operating in our lives. And so I, I want to look at it. There's a, there's a pattern. God's pattern is in the book of Proverbs, chapter 19. And I'm going to go back and forth with a different few verses, but that's kind of the verse I want you to really hang on to. We try to give you a verse to leave every week that would be kind of the verse. If you were going to memorize a verse or study a verse, it would be that verse. And I think now, 2018 is the best time for this sermon because I think you would agree with me. People are saying that this generation is the most offended generation there's ever been. They say that we are offended by everything. I saw something on Facebook, I think it was this week, where I didn't even listen to it, but it was something about the statement calling somebody the, uh, a man, how that was offensive. And, and there's just everything. Everything's offensive. I'm actually, I actually believe people today are offended by being offended, right? It's just everything's offending them. And I hear that, and I started thinking about it, and I said, you know what? I'm not really sure that people's level of offense actually rose. I don't really think that's what it is. I don't think 
that's the case. I just think nowadays with social media and streaming, I think we get to hear people's opinions and comments and thoughts more than we ever have before. And so it's not that we're more sensitive than we were 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It's just 15 years ago, you weren't able to hear what everybody in America thought about what you had for lunch, right? But when you post it and the whole world can comment on it, there's a better opportunity for you to be offended. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus understands this, okay? So he's prepping his disciples, and in the same way, he'd be prepping us. And here's what he said. He says, it is impossible that no offense should come. It's impossible that no offense should come. Here's what he's saying. It's impossible in 2018 for you to go throughout your day and not have an opportunity to be offended. It's impossible. You have a chance of being offended by your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, your dad. You could be offended by what's on television or what's on the radio. You could be offended by what's going on at your job. You could be offended by what happens at the restaurant. It is impossible for you to live and breathe in 2018 and not have the opportunity to be offended. And then he says, look, but woe to him through whom they do come. Woe to the person that brings offense. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. He's not saying that the person who offends you should just be allowed to go off without any kind of uh, consequence. It's not what he's saying. I, I understand that sometimes the, the, what offends us really should offend us. I understand that. Sometimes we're justified in our offense, right? But just because we have the right to be offended doesn't mean we have the need to be. And so Jesus says, woe to them. In other words, let me, let Jesus, let God handle that. But woe to them. You, and here's our instruction, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Let him know he offends you. But if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So in this scripture, I want to I bring out something specifically. So you, you know the Bible, when it was originally written, it's written in Hebrew and Greek, and it gets translated into what we're reading today. And so this word offenses right up here that's underlined, that word offenses, when you look in the Greek, that, that Greek word that was used, that was translated to offenses, was the word scandalone. Okay? So that was the word that was in the Greek writing of this particular scripture, and when they sat down to translate it, they, they looked at that word, they defined that word, and the best word they could relate to our English language was offenses, okay? Any of y'all ever, go, anybody in here hunt? I don't really know. Does anybody in here hunt? I'm not much of a hunter, but there we go. We've got a few of them. All right, so, so you know uh, like a bear trap. So you've got a bear trap and, or, or even a mouse trap, you know, whatever it is you're hunting. So you've got these different traps. You take a bear trap, and I've got a picture of it. I want to show you. So here's a bear trap. This right here. This little area right here is where you put the what? Anybody know? It's where you put the bait, all right? So this is the trap. You put the bait right here and goes for the bait and the trap closes, okay? So this right here, this little part right here is called a scandalone. And so here was, the, here was the connection here. So where you laid the bait, the area where you put the bait to trap is exactly the same word that was translated to the word offense, this is why John Bevere wrote an entire book about being offended, and he called it this, the bait of Satan. He's implying that the bait by Satan, the bait that Satan grabs us with, that bait is the opportunity to be offended. Let me put it like this. The enemy's plan for your life and my life is destruction, 
right? John 10.10, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come, Jesus, so that you may have life and have life to the full. His plan, his agenda, his goal for your life, for your marriage, for your health, for your relationship with God, everything is destruction. The trap that he uses is division. It's division. Because if he can divide you and your spouse, he's destroyed your marriage, right? If he can divide you and your children, he's destroyed your family. If he can divide you and your boss or your coworkers, he's destroyed your job. If he can divide you and God, he's destroyed your life. So, so his goal is destruction. His trap is division. And watch this. His bait is offense. See? Because if he can get you offended, he can get you divided. If he can get you offended against your boss, there will be division in your job and there will be destruction where you work. If he can get you offended towards your spouse, there will be division in your relationship and there will be destruction in your marriage. If he can get you offended in the church, there will be division between you and God and there will be destruction in your life. The bait is offense. So look, the question is not, will you have an opportunity in which you will be handed an offense? Because you will be. The question is, once you're handed it, what will you do with it? I was in Kroger uh, about a month ago, and I was on the phone with Malcolm. Again, everything that happens happens because of Malcolm. And so I'm on the phone with Malcolm, and I got him on speakerphone because the, the girls have destroyed my iPhone, and I can't hear. And I'm walking into Kroger, and I'm trying to grab a shopping cart, right? So I got the, got the phone in one hand where I'm trying to hear, and I'm trying to grab the shopping cart with the other hand, and, I'm, I'm, and the shopping cart's stuck. Y'all had these problems? These are real-life problems, all right? You think you got problems? I had problems. And so I couldn't get the shopping cart off, so I got the phone in this hand, and he's talking, and I'm talking, and I'm trying to pull the little shopping cart, and it won't come. And I notice this lady behind me comes, stands right here. She's a Kroger employee. I don't know what she's doing. She should be working. And so I'm grabbing the shopping cart, and finally the shopping cart comes loose, and when it does, I spin around and look at her. And when I look at her, She's looking at me with this disgusted look on her face, right? Like I'm just the worst thing to ever set foot on planet Earth. And here's what she does, no lie. I don't know what the spiritual meaning of this is necessarily, but here's what she does. She looks at me and she goes. I was like, well, excuse me. I mean, I'm just trying to get a shopping cart, right? I didn't, I was just, my bad. And so I remember literally at that moment, I picked up an offense. I, picked, I was like, no, you didn't. She forgot, I may live in Smyrna, but I'm from Memphis, you know what I'm saying? And so brother could be packing. And so I'm just like, whoo, and so it gets worse. All right, this is your pastor, okay, and I'm about to be real transparent with you. I picked up an offense, and I carried it all around Kroger, all around Kroger. I was looking for this woman. I was just waiting for her. I was going down every aisle just trying to find her, and if she was there, here's what I would do. I would go down the aisle, and the whole time I'm getting towards her, I'm looking at her. Just waiting, just hoping she'll look up at me. I don't, I, like, what am I going to do, right? I'm not going to say anything to her. I got a reputation. For I just wanted to give her that look, like, yeah, yeah you're going to offend me. I'm going to offend you. And so I just carried that offense all with me. I went home. I said, Darla, you're not going to believe this. The whole drive home, which is like from my apartment to Kroger, like two and a half minutes, the whole ride home, all I could think about was like, who, who does she think she is? She's going to look at me. I was just pulling a car. I get home. I'm like, darling, you're not going to believe what happened. I carried that offense all day with me. And it's crazy that we can be handed an offense. But watch this. An offense is an action, right? Being offended is a decision. Offense is an action, but being offended is a decision. We have opportunities to be offended in just about every area of our life. Um, for example, 
in our marriage, <laughs> there's so many opportunities for us to be offended. But since none of y'all ever get offended in your marriage, I'm just going to make up a couple, okay? Since this isn't dealing in y'all's life, we'll just make up a couple. We'll call them Jane and John Doe, all right? So they're married, been happily married for about a year and a half, and that's the couple. And let's just say that Jane Doe loved that when John and her were dating, John would always buy her all this jewelry, right? She just always would get this jewelry all the time, necklaces and bracelets and earrings. And it was just, and she just never knew. She'd come home and John was surprised. Look, baby, look what I got you. Got her new necklace and she just loved it. Well, then they got married and they decided to buy a house. And then they had to get a car. And then they had two kids, two precious little children. And then they had to get a minivan because that's what you got to do. And then they had to get a big house. And now John doesn't have the money that John used to have when John and Jane were dating. This may be about Troy and Darla, but I'm just saying, okay? Could be about John and Jane. And so John and Jane, and, and Jane starts to get a little offended that she doesn't get jewelry anymore. And so she picks up that offense every time there's a holiday, every time there's a day that ends in Y, she's expecting some kind of surprise of jewelry. And as the weeks and weeks go by, she doesn't get any jewelry, and she just carries around the offense. My married couples, y'all ain't never been there, have you? Nah, just me and Darla, sorry. Let's talk about uh, your job for a second. Because there's a lot of opportunities for offense at your job. So John goes to work, and John's a hard worker. John's been there for 10 years. And in comes this new little hippie punk, right? Not really hippie, but he wears skinny jeans. So he comes into the job, and it's not so much that he's been there longer because he hasn't, and it's not so much that he's a harder worker. It's just he knows more about technology. And so here's John, who's been working very hard week after week. It's been mandatory for people to show up, and he's the only one who shows up. You know what I'm talking about? It's that kind of job. And all of a sudden, it comes time for a raise and time for a promotion, and John's like, baby, you're about to get that jewelry again. It's about to happen. Goes into work only to find out that the young guy gets the promotion. So John picks up that offense and begins to carry it around. Anybody relating here for a second? Let's talk about family. Because we never get offense with our family, right? I'm going to get two boards for this one. Because this is going to represent John's parents and Jane's parents, the in-laws and the outlaws, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so here's what John doesn't know is that when Jane was growing up, her parents had a tradition around Christmas. They liked to buy matching footy pajamas, and they liked to gather on Christmas Eve night, and they would sing Twas the Night Before Christmas and watch The Grinch all the way through, and they would drink eggnog and eat snickerdoodles. They would all gather around, open up a present together, go to sleep, and then they'd wake up in the morning and have croissants with sausage and cheese in it. It was a family tradition. John's family likes to go hunting on Christmas Eve. They know that where they live, there's snow, so there's got to be good animals. And they don't even really celebrate because, let's be honest, they don't think that it's uh, effective in your, you know, Dave Ramsey doesn't approve of buying a lot of Christmas presents, so they don't buy a lot of Christmas presents. And so John's tradition is different than Jane's tradition. And can you imagine what happens the first time, this is a little bit of marriage counseling, by the way, the first time they have to discuss what their holiday plans will be. This little marriage counseling session is for free, but... 
discuss Christmas plans before you get married, okay? Um, so Jane's family doesn't like what John's family does, and John's family doesn't like what Jane's family does, and now they've got to decide which family they're going to go to. And when they decide, because everybody knows whose parents are they going to? Jane's. You know they're going to Jane's. <laughs> and here's how we know that. Well, never mind. That's another marriage counseling message, but... The man always loses in that plan because the woman always has the kryptonite, right? Nope. Okay. Moving on. Um, <laughs> crowd's not quite mature enough for that message yet. There we go. So different things happen and different opportunities for offense. Now John and Jane go to church. We don't ever get offended by church, right? Jane gets upset because she doesn't get to lead the tambourine ministry. She was gifted with the ability to shake that tambourine. When she heard the song, Shake What Your Mama Made, she thought it was the tambourine. And so she expects to lead that ministry. And when she gets there, she finds out her church doesn't have a tambourine ministry. And then John, he likes to go and just kind of do what he wants. And the pastor keeps telling him to go to the growth track. And he's about tired of hearing him on the growth track. And before you know it, they pick up a church offense and carry that offense around. And so what we do is every time we're handed an offense, every time we're given an opportunity to be offended, we allow it to build. Because the enemy's pattern for offense is take it, hold on to it, let it build. Watch this. And the more that happens... When it comes to our marriage and our family and our friends and our job and our church, watch this. We process everything through offense. We process our marriage through offense. We process our friends through offense. We process church through offense. Hey, baby. You ain't bought me joy. Darla. I need some jewelry too, right? Come on, man. I can't go to church anymore. I don't like that anymore. We start processing everything through offense. And then watch this. Here's what ends up happening. Is we end up on one side and our spouse ends up on the other side, right? We're over here. Our spouse is over here. Darla and I just went this past week into a marriage conference don't worry, your pastor's not struggling. We just like to go and enrich our marriage. And it was funny to hear and see the stories about how it starts with something little. And it keeps building and building and building and building until the husband ends up on one side and the wife ends up on the other. Because I couldn't illustrate this, but watch this. We don't just stop building this way. We eventually build this way, this way, and this way. And we isolate ourselves from everything and everyone around us. So we end up on this side, or, or our boss ends up on this side, or we're on this side, and our family's on this side, or we're on this side, or God's on this side. And Satan has won because he has created what? Division. The Lord showed me this the other day, and I'll never forget it, and I want to show it to you. This is the mathematical sign for division, am I right? 
You guys have all graduated third grade, so you know that's the case. That is the mathematical sign for division. Let me ask you something. If I was standing here and my spouse was standing here and you could look at this from an aerial view, what would it look like? His plan is destruction. His trap is division. And his bait is offense. Because if he can get you to hold on, take it, hold on to it, you'll start to build it. And then those two people that started off in their marriage so happy, snuggling all the time, couldn't keep their hands off each other, they get to a point where they don't even want to see each other anymore. Just divided, all because of an offense. So the world's pattern would be pick it up, hold on to it, let it build. God's pattern's a little different. And to be able to really let you understand God's pattern, we'd have to visit a psalm from a modern-day prophet, okay? God's pattern is written in a song. You ready? You ready to hear this psalm from a modern-day prophet? Listen to this. Here's God's pattern. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. I'm going to have a moment. Hold on. Let it go, let it go. like scripture to music right there. You know what I'm saying? It's obvious that I have two small children, okay? And they're girls. But it's probably my fault that me and my wife saw the movie like six times in the theater, you know what I mean? Four of them, the kids weren't even there. We were just there. So here's what's interesting. Before I get too much on God's pattern, I want to show you one more verse. Proverbs 18, 19, okay? Look how this plays out. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. A fortified city, when they're talking about that, back in the day there would be these cities and they would build walls, massive walls around them, and they would have guards walking at the top of the walls, and they were protected, and they called it a fortified city. So here's what Proverbs is saying. It's easier for you to break through one of those walls than it is to break through one of these walls. So when we continue to let things and we continue to take them and let them build and build them up, we surround ourselves with a wall that's just not easy to get through. So then God gives us his pattern in Proverbs 19.11. And I love this because it's pretty simple. A person's wisdom yields patience. Watch this. It is to one's glory to what? Overlook an offense. So the world's pattern is, take it, let it build, hold on to it. God's pattern is, let it go. The world's pattern would say, build and process everything through it. And God says, overlook it. The world's pattern would have you hang on to it, build it, walk, look everything through it. And God's pattern would be to drop it, let it go, overlook it. There's a verse in Matthew, and I don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to share it with you real quick, that says if you were to come down to an altar and try to give God a gift, if you were going to give, a God, give God a gift at the altar, worship, and while you're here, you remember 
that you've got something against a brother or a sister. Let go of that gift, go and find that brother and sister, ask them for forgiveness, and then return back and then worship. God's pattern is to overlook our offense. Here's why he would say that, church. Listen, because here's what God knows that we need to learn. You can't hold your blame and your breakthrough at the same time. The secret for you is not in how fast can you pick it up, but it's how fast you can drop it. How quick can you let it go? Because if you don't let it go, it's going to continue to build. And I don't know if you're really catching this shit, but it's going to hit you in a couple hours. You will start to process everything through your offense. Your, your wife didn't mean what she said. Your husband didn't mean what he said. Your kids didn't mean it that way. Your parents didn't mean it the way that your boss didn't mean it that way. Your pastor didn't mean it that way. But when he said it, you heard it through offense. And so you took it this way because when you should have dropped it, you kept it. When you should have let it go, you let it build. That's God's pattern. The world says, pick that thing up. What she say on the news? Hold on to that. What did he say on his Instagram? Hold on to that. What did she say to you at Kroger Troy? Hang on to that. And carry it around everywhere you go. I don't know about you, but if I kept on to every time I was offended, I'd have a lot of boards in my hand. And so it makes sense when someone tells me I can't hold on to all of this and at the same time receive God's breakthrough for my life. At some point, I got to pick one. Either drop it or I let it build. I overlook it or I look through it. Your ability to have a successful marriage will be in how well you are at overlooking offense. Your ability to be a great parent, ability to be a great coworker, your ability to live your life for God. Your ability to be faithful to the church deals with how good are you at overlooking an offense. Think about that. God says, look, if you're at the altar and you're about to worship me and you remember about this, don't hold on to it and worship with the other hand. This is why a lot of us can't lift our hands in worship. It's because we're too busy holding on to all these things. Real hard to lift your hands up and worship when they're burned down by all the offense. So God doesn't say, hey, lean it, lean it against your spouse real quick, worship, and as soon as Darla comes up to do announcements, pick that bad boy up and put it back in your lap. God doesn't say that. Just drop it, drop what you're doing, and then go and fix the situation. Get rid of this all together and then come back and continue to worship. You say, but listen, Pastor, um, my, my offense, it's justified. I understand. Some people are carrying around offense, but they don't know it because it's masked by how much it hurt. I don't, and God certainly doesn't belittle the wounds that we experience. He just doesn't want us to live in a wounded pattern. 
It's like I said at the beginning, you have the right to be offended. That, that woman should have never made that gesture to me. I was just trying to get a shopping cart. If she, she had that kind of time, she should have been putting WD-40 on all them shopping carts so I could snatch one out. Sometimes you have the right to be offended, but you don't have the need to be. I love this quote. It says, sometimes forgiveness is releasing somebody from prison only to find out the prisoner was you. Sometimes we hang on to so much offense, never realizing that the people who offended us have long gone about their lives and they're still affecting ours. And here's what you would tell me and you would be correct. You would say, Troy, I don't, I don't know how I can forgive that person when they know what they did, they did it on purpose, they wounded me, and they have absolutely no plan of ever saying they're sorry for it. Well, I would tell you, wouldn't it be great if we had somebody, a situation or an example of somebody who had done that before and kind of laid out for us a pattern of what that looked like to be offended and to be wounded by people who don't understand what they did or do understand what they did and never have an intention to ever say, I'm sorry for it. I wonder if we ever saw a pattern for that. I think we did. Because I think when Jesus said, you know what? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I think that was just the way of Jesus overlooking the offense and saying, you know what? Someone else would hang on to this, but I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release it. And he's not doing it because he needs to do it. He's the son of God. He's doing it because he knew in Luke 17, 1, that offenses would come your way. Listen, the Bible isn't just about the way Jesus died for our sins and resurrected. Of course, that is what it's about because it's the most incredible love story, greatest story you'll ever be told. But the Bible is instructions on how to live our life. It's the patterns of how we should operate. And listen, if you're not careful, you'll sit in here this morning and go, you know what, offense isn't really my thing. Yes, it is. You just aren't willing to stop for a second and realize where you have been offended. And so the reason why Jesus was on that cross and said what he had to say is because he said, I have men and women, my children, who are going to follow me, and they need to see something. They need to see a pattern of somebody being offended and not being able to right the wrong, but instead being able to look over the wrong. And if I live out that pattern, then when my children are trying to make progress as they're walking with me, and the enemy puts out a fence as a bait to catch them. Instead of getting all mad and upset, and sitting around staring at all the things people did wrong to me or, or trying to put it shadily onto Facebook, right? They'll look at what I did and they'll say, I'll follow the pattern of letting it go. So do me a favor, stand with me this morning. 
as I was praying this morning, I just felt the Spirit of God very strong on my heart about this time right here. Because this is a very simple message. Pattern would, pattern of the world would say, hang on to it, let it build. The pattern of God would say, let it go, overlook it. It's pretty cut and dry. But here's where the hard work is. Because every one of us came in here this morning with an offense. I don't know if it's towards your spouse. I don't know if it's towards an old boss, an old church, a child, a friend, a family member. And you may not know it yet, but it's affecting your ability to worship and be used by God. And if we were to follow out Matthew, the way that would look is we would stop this morning, what we're doing, and we'd ask God to help us forgive those who offended us. Amen? Do me a favor, just close your eyes for a second. I'm going to give you just a couple seconds to think. Some of you, you already know. The moment I started talking, you already knew. For some of you, it's going to take a second. The places, the moment, the person, how it's still affecting you to this moment right now. And here's how I love how the Spirit of God works. Some of you, it's your first time here. Some of you, you were having a really hard time getting here this morning because the devil will do all he can to keep you out of this place. And now you're hearing this and going, okay, I, I know what was going on. I'm here this morning because this is my problem and God wants to set me free from it. He's modeled it for you. So you've thought about it. You've got it in your head. Now let's do this, just however you would do it, kind of symbolically, symbolically, you might lift your hands up, you might kind of put your hands out, you might just stand there. Do me a favor and just kind of give that to God. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been carrying this around. I pray that you would give me the strength to forgive this person for what they said to me, for what they did to me. God, they know what they did to me and they know what they said to me. And God, they don't have any plan in their heart to apologize for it. So God, would you give me the strength right now to just forgive them? Release me of this. It's a release, church. Like that quote said, you're opening up the gate to a prison cell, not to release them, but to release yourself. God, give me the strength right now to be able to let that go the spirit of Elsa in my life, God. Let me just be able to let it go. Be able to overlook it. To be healed from it. Man, y'all get ready because I feel like we're going to have to sing here in a second. Y'all get ready to take us and to call upon the Lord for a moment. People got to be set free in this place. I'm going to say this now so I don't have to say it later. The step for after this is to find that person and to, to ask them or to tell them you forgive them, right, right that wrong. But right now, it's just a moment of you being set free.
you being released from the burden that you've been carrying. I would never tell you to do this because we don't like to tell you what to do at this church. I feel like you're adults, you know what to do. But I'm gonna break that rule for one second. And here's what we're gonna do, do me a favor. Just put both hands in the air for a second. This is that symbolic moment where you are releasing what you've been holding on to. The world you hang on to it, let it build, get more and more angry. God would say, let it go. Let it go. Overlook it. Let me deal with them and you be set free so that you can worship me, so that you can live in all of the freedom and all of the purpose and all of the plan that I have for you. Walk in what you have for me. But in order for that to happen, you got to be able to release it. If you keep hanging on to it, you're in bondage that you put yourself in. Be released. And so in, in, in that body language, we're going to worship for a second, just for a second. And we're going to rejoice in that same body language that God has set us free. Jesus died on the cross so that you could forgive that and walk away and leave it and be set free from it. But listen, I know it's difficult. And so you got to call upon the Lord. Got to call upon the Lord. Come on, just begin to lead us into that. And would you just begin to call upon God and ask him to give you the strength and the ability to release that, to be set free. God, I'm sorry. Take the offense away from me, God. Help me to release it. Help me to let it go. Help me to walk in freedom. Help me to walk released. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Jesus.